Picture your life as a four-burner stovetop. One burner represents your family, one is your friends, the third your health, and the fourth, career. Now, if you have them all going at once, you're going to burn out. So in order to be successful, you need to turn one off. If you want to be super successful, they say turn off two. My name is Josh Earl, and by the end of this podcast, we'll see which ones are being left on and which ones are getting turned off. This is Four Burners. Hello and welcome to Four Burners. My name is Josh Earl and joining me this week is comedian, writer, podcaster and four-time moth champion. Can you please welcome with Bron Lewis, everyone? <laughs> so pleased you brought up the moth. The moth, yeah. Everyone knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's very rare when because people it's in like almost all of my bios. It came up yesterday in a podcast that I did, and uh, she said, "Tell me about that." And you I was did like, another podcast? What? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, let's shut this down. <laughs> uh, and she said, oh, "Oh, tell me about the moth." And I wasn't yeah. sure if she was like, "Tell me about the experience," or "Tell me what it is." Because no, do you know what it is? Yeah, it's, it's oh, so people do know what it is. Well, it, it's because it was like when podcasting was first kind of yeah. out there. Everyone was like, "Oh, what are some podcasts?" And everyone yeah, would the recommend the moth. Yeah, I listen, one, it was yeah. one of my first podcasts, you're right. And then when yep. I found out they did it live, it's storytelling, by the way, if yes. people don't know what it is. It's a storytelling podcast, which is obviously, it took me ages to work this out, there's performances. Like, there's, you know, there'll be a, a night of storytelling and uh, it will be um, ten people on a night will get up and tell a story with a theme. And then I just went, before I started comedy, I started doing storytelling and I loved it so much and I was like, oh, this is what I'd like to do with my life. And turns out there's not heaps of jobs for storytellers. No, I once did a storytelling night. Yes. They booked me as a comedian but they said it's storytelling, so don't do gear because they'll smell it. They'll yeah. smell gear. Yeah. And I went, okay, so I went up and told a story. I thought it was okay. Mm. And then a comedian got up there and went, fuck that, I'm just going to be funny destroyed i'm like motherfucker yeah. i should have i should have just done gear. what i do yeah but it's all right we learn yeah well there's like a really strict rule in the moth which, which is like this is not like what like this is not stand up yeah. do not get up and do stand up and i saw another comedian this before i started comedy she got up and told a story and it was really like she was really self-deprecating which is what we're taught to do in comedy yes um, but in a storytelling night when everyone's supposed to be, like, loving each other, it was really uncomfortable for the audience. Everyone yeah. just seemed worried for her. It's funny. So the Golden Globes, Joe Coy. Did, yeah, did, I watched did, the monologue. Yep. Holy. Well, that's the thing. I think I think the jokes were fine. They weren't great, but they were fine. They were. That was. I was cringing the entire time. Yeah. But I think the reason was that he was too self-deprecating. And then doing that whole, oh, it's amazing to be here. Wow, Meryl Streep's here. My mum loves you. Oh, my God. And he should have went out there and just went, no, I deserve to be here. I think that was the problem with that yes, room. Yes, but, yeah, I, and on the, but on the other side, if a joke didn't land, he didn't own it. No. He wasn't like, yeah, you're right. It is my fault. See, I told you I shouldn't be here. Yeah. My jokes suck. He was like, that was the writers. These are, you're laughing at my jokes and none of the ones that were written for me, which he chose. Yeah. You don't say a joke that you... Don't choose. Yeah. So it was so bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yes. It was so bad. But I'm just, I think that was the reason it was really, yeah. really bad. It's because he was like, oh my God, I'm, it's such an honor yeah, to be here when he should have been, oh no, I've been booked for this. I should, yeah. I, I, I deserve this. Something I need to learn. Hey, we're, we're talking four burners. Okay. Yes. So we're going to go career, family, friends, health, your choice. Which one you want to go first? Which one do you want to talk about first? Okay, we'll go with health just health. because it's front Great. of mind at the moment. Start of the year. Yes. New woman. Do you have a resolution for the 2024? I want to get fit again. Yep. I used to be fit, but I also want to do it differently than I did before. Because last time you were doing it, you were doing CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. It's but a cult. It is. Well, say it. I think most, most fitness programs are. Everyone gets yeah. really obsessed with them. They do, Myself but I feel included. like, but it, do, at your gym, Jets, yep. is there like a community there yes. where they have lots of like social gatherings? No. Great. So in CrossFit, there's lots of like, it's like, uh, not everyone goes, yep. but it's really encouraged. Yep. And it is, because it's quite beautiful when you're in it and yeah. you're like a completely, I guess like any cult. When you're in it and you're so are you drinking the Kool-Aid, you're like, this is actually pretty nice. I feel like these are my best friends. I'll ever they get me, they appreciate me. But the reason why you wanna 
hang out with these people all the time is because you exercise with them. So at the end of the session, you feel incredible. You look around, they feel incredible. Yeah. Just positive vibes absolutely everywhere. They've encouraged you through a really dreadful workout. Yes. You've achieved goals which you kind of associate with them helping you achieve them. So you're like, we're literally a team. And, and we love also with your friends that don't do the workouts, you don't want to bore them by going, oh, yeah, I did this I did these great double unders today. I, I broke yeah. my record. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, they, so, if it was really important to you yeah. and they, it's important to them, it's like this is beautiful, it's bonding. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a dreadful um, uh, habit of after a few wines when I was a CrossFitter doing handstand push-ups. Yeah. To watch like for, at, just at, at people, like a dinner party. That was your, that was oh your little trick. Oh, my God. They were like, people were like worried because I thought they were worried that I was going to hurt myself, yeah. but I think they were just worried for my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> so you stopped doing CrossFit. Yeah. Is that because of children? No, because my back was sore and yeah. also because I, I, no, it was because my back was sore. But as I reflect on that time of my life, I was way too obsessed. I was going like twice a day yeah. if I could, you know, if I could get away with it. And the only reason why I wouldn't go twice a day is because my partner was so fed up with me going to do this exercise. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, like really if I'm honest with myself, it was just a way for me to get I, like my I've got three kids now but I only had two at the time and they were 20 months apart and they it was really hard. Yeah. Like it was hard. They were really lovely kids, sure, but they're still kids they're all, and they're hard. All kids are hard, yeah. They're so hard. And I was um, just a bit out of my element and I just it was a great way to escape the house for an hour. Yep. And it was a great way for me to see some kind of progress yep. because when you are at home with babies, it's really like they're very, like they're adorable and lovely and I don't regret them. But, at the you know, when you're in the thick of it, yeah. it's actually quite unrewarding. Like it's really hard to get, like they never, they don't, when they're babies, they cry heaps. Yep. They don't sleep very much. They're so messy. You always like feel like you're ruining any event because you've brought a baby that for some reason is going to cry at the worst possible time. Um, you like you know your recovery from having a baby mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually is always like you have no control over that. Yes. it's like you just have to trust time is going to do its bit. Yeah, and to have that lack of control from going from you know I feel like I had control of my life and then all of a sudden I had two babies to have no control. Yeah, CrossFit just acted as if like it was like a it was just like a way of being like you can see you can do pretty well at something if you come every day. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's great. And I went there and I did well and also, and everyone was so nice about it. Like the babies never were nice about any yep. kind of thing that I was doing. And any kind of fitness stuff, when you first start it, you see results really quickly. Mm. People might comment, oh, wow, you, like your shoulders, some of that. They're like, oh, yes. wow, so you, yes. someone's been working out and it does make you feel good and you go, mm. oh, wow, I'll keep doing this. Because I'm the same. I had a lot of chaos in my life when I, and then I joined a gym and it was like, I can go here, like you, escape for an hour or so, yes. get out of my head as well because while you're lifting heavy stuff, I can't think about the oh, shit in totally. my life. I can zone out, listen to music and that's – and it is that thing of like going – it does get addictive because you have all the yeah. endorphin, endorphins rushing through you yeah. as well. It's like, and like for, to go – if you, especially if you're in a dark place before you start exercise, it, the, the the brightness of health and that, and that feeling of like you're – you're actually worth being healthy for. Yep. Like I know that sounds really wanky, but you're like, oh, I can, I actually have control over this to feel good. Yep. And when you don't feel like that beforehand or you feel like, you know, just a bit chubby and soft and you don't feel great in a white T-shirt, these kind of things, yep. which is like, you know, I grew up chubby and I high school was a bit chubby and then my 20s was like always a bit like, oh, I don't know what I am. And then when I did CrossFit I just got ripped so quickly yeah. because you like like you said you see results at the start and you're like oh my god if I'm getting results from only going this level imagine if I went twice yeah. a day and imagine if I cut out all carbs and imagine if I just had a protein shake for breakfast yeah. and imagine if all these things so I was like I was completely addicted to it and and the feedback I was getting was just all positive yeah. you know like I'd go when I returned to work and it's like whoa 
You don't look. This is how weird a singing side woman. You don't look like you've had a baby. What's that supposed to look yeah. like? What's she supposed to look like? Just bleeding down her legs? What do you mean? Like yeah. so, I got. They're saying you don't look like my mum. Yeah. That's what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I came back and I just had just only positive feedback about that. Uh, which was quite confusing because I was getting only negative feedback from my partner, which not necessarily like f- f- my physical sense. It was more about um, how absent I was and yeah. how uh, fixated I was on something that was outside of the family when I probably should have been spending a bit more time at home. I just It was so bad for my relationship. Like any time he was home, which was not very often because he was doing his MBA and he was working full time. Yeah. So any time he was home I would just saw that as an opportunity to get out. Yeah. I was like, great. So we just hardly ever saw each other and I blamed his uni and he blamed my fitness and he like his was probably a bit more important. <laughs> yeah, it's, is that a weird thing because I, I – I think Beck and I were the same as well. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to escape and looking for reasons to escape. You don't want to say, yeah. I, and you can say, I just want to have a break mm. because sometimes when you have kids and it's very hard and mm-hmm. you kind of stop feeling like it's a relationship and start feeling like this is we're business partners yeah. and then you need to have that honest conversation going, yeah, this up Because when it's all new, you don't want to be the parent to go, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Mm. It's fucking hard. Yeah. Like you, you can say it's hard, but when you're like, this is. So monotonous. Yeah. I don't know. Like I really, I find it really, really boring. Um, the start, the babies part, the newborns especially. Yeah. Holy dooly. But like even now I've got my youngest is um, two and a half or whatever. Or he'll be three in March. And he is really, he's so, i Every day is a bit easier just like because he gets a little bit more interesting. But still, like I can't have a conversation with him. He's never going to be like, oh, do you need some space? Yeah. Great. It's like constant and it's. And then when you do, when they do give you space, it's like, oh, here, have a screen. And then you feel bad because you're yeah. like, fuck, I, I I know this is not good for them. Mm. But I need a break. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to be a lot worse in here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I cannot do another bit of craft. I can't do it because yeah. I end up having to do all of it and then I have to clean it and then what am I going to put my picture on the fridge? Yeah. Grow up. The amount of stuff we cooked just just to fill half an hour. I know. We'll make some biscuits. Yeah. Make some banana bread. All right. Yeah. That's, we're going to eat it? No, nah, probably not. No, yeah. and you have to cook. It's obviously you cooking it when they Whoa. try and contribute. They, like they, that's not enough. They chop. That. We wash up. It's all right. All right, so uh, you getting back into health though. Getting, I am, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I've just started back at the gym. My back's quite sore but I'm, like, yeah. I'm trying all these different – I've tried a lot of different things. I've stopped and started a lot yeah. of things. And this one is I've got a personal trainer. I'm going to see him once a week. He's going to make a program from, for me. Right. I'm not going to beat myself up when I don't go but I'm not – I don't want to waste – anyone's time by just going once a week, you know, like I have to make some. So I just want to be an actual healthy version of myself. I know I've heard that when you turn 40, I'm 37 now, I've heard when you turn 40 your body falls to bits if you haven't looked after it and I just don't want to be one of them. Like I don't want to be sore and tired. That's like two and a half years. No, thanks. I've got things to do. As a kid, you mentioned that you said you were, you know, chubby chubby. kid. Did did you guys have snacks in the house? Yeah. Yeah. We were allowed to eat. Anything that was there was nothing was policed, yep. and we always had um, a four liter tub of black and gold Neapolitan ice cream in Excellent. the freezer. And every single afternoon, I would come home and I would have a either a bowl of leftover spaghetti or bolognese, yep. or a um, four and twenty uh, chicken and vegetable pie, yep. and then a bowl of ice cream. Mine was either frozen dim sims. Yes. There was a there's a store in Bernie called Bulk Frozen Foods. Says what it is on the tin. Yeah. And my mum with three boys would just buy like a huge bag of dim sims. We knew how to cook them. We'd just right. all come home and have dim sims. Same thing, ice cream, the home brand ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so fussy as a kid that mm. my mum took me to the doctor saying, he doesn't eat. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. And I was like, well, what does he eat? And he, he'll just live off ice cream. And the doctor went, well, give him ice cream. And just went, oh, That's my it. God. That's all I need. And then, um, yeah. And so. I walked out of that. I was about seven, just going, "This is the fucking best doctor yeah, in the we world." Yeah, just visited. It wasn't a doctor. It, wasn't it was a, a man at a bus stop. <laughs> uh, do you have a soda stream growing up? No, no, neither do we. I think that's. What does that mean? Does well, that mean that uh, who? What does it mean if they if I didn't have one? No, you're pretty rich. Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. Well, we it's, it's my little thing one. of going. If you had, you know, you had yeah, black okay. and gold ice cream, so I'm I'm guessing it wasn't no, like it wasn't the Peters. Little... Yeah. No. But I only asked for soda stream because I I find that people who had soda streams as kids. 
uh, they go through a phase because it's a lot of sugar. Yeah. Yeah, because they put like so lots cordial. of cordial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, weekend sport as a kid, did you play? Yeah. Um, uh, I played a bit in primary school. I did gymnastics and I loved it but yep. it became expensive because it's really expensive. And I got into AIS for gymnastics when I was really I was about nine and they were like they told mum the fees and mum was like, and you can just do it in the backyard, Bron. It's fine. And which was heartbreaking because yeah. some of my mates could continue doing it. Anyway, I could have been Simone Biles. That's why I'm here um, to tell you that. But I have – but now my daughter is into gymnastics and she loves it so much and I'm like pushing her. I'm like kind of – I don't know how healthy this is. I'm like just let's get her into the – like see if she can do the next level and then the next level like, yeah, she yeah. can do it. And then the next level – now she has to go like so – it's like 10 hours a week of gymnastics and – I'm like, just let's see. Keep going, babe. And then I did netball in high school, which I love. What position? I was uh, centre and wing attack. Okay, they're, they're the good ones. They are. Yeah. I know. When people say goalkeeper, I'm always like, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> <laughs> you were tall. Good yeah. on you. Yeah. <laughs> well done. You were tall but you couldn't shoot. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, uh, so that's kind of physical health, yes. mental health. Now we're going to talk about mental mm-hmm. health. How do you feel your mental health's at? Yeah, it's great. The best it's probably ever been uh, as, for, as far as I've been aware of mental health um, because for a long time I was a, a teacher for 10 years and when you're in a job that you're quite miserable in, I really liked teaching, yeah. the actual practice, but this institution of teaching, like the actual education system is just so depressing. Yeah. You're just putting, pushing shit uphill all the time. There is like sad kids that not, like, you know, you can't help them. Like I had this one child, uh, it was a high school teacher, this one child who had a dreadful home life and I remember reporting it because it was really sad. Yeah. I said, this is what's happening. And they said, does he have a roof over his head? And I was like, well, yeah, but it's pretty unsafe in underneath that roof yeah and they said well there's no way child protective services are going to do anything so i'd see this kid he'd be at school as soon as the door like as soon as like the cleaners uh arrived in the morning or whatever and late at night as soon as like the last teacher left and turned off all the lights and i was it's very disempowering yeah for a job a job that's supposed to be empowering you're supposed to be like changing the future and that's yeah. how why i went into it really so i like teenagers and I think Tina, like I remember being a teenager, being quite lost and having a tricky home life um, for no fault of mum's, but she had pretty bad mental health um, when I was a teenager. And I just remember thinking if I can go and make it a bit easy for the kids who are struggling, then yeah. it would be great. And I just thought I was going to have a really feel-good time. But you go into a system where there's so many, it's so there's so much bureaucracy and there's so uh, much pushback and there's lots of disenchanted teachers who just really can't be bothered anymore. Yep. But they are waiting for their super to kick in, and they hate the kids and they hate the system and they hate the t- people that they work with and they get, take as many sick days, days as they possibly can. Yeah. They work out exactly how many minutes they have to be there in order for them to be able to collect that paycheck. And that kind of environment that you're in, doesn't matter how much you like the kids, yeah, that wears you down yeah, and you go, oh, I actually don't feel like this is doing me any good. It's, also, it's yeah. also a system I find, and this is not every school, but it's – a lot of schools, that some I've worked in, some I've took my kids there, that the good teachers get put in positions where they're out of the classroom and yeah. they get leadership positions or they become assistant principal, then principal. And it's like, and the ones who aren't good teachers stay teaching. Mm. And it's a, it's this weird thing. Yeah. Like, and it's the same, it's like the top prospects out of uni get jobs at uni, like doing like, yeah. oh, you can teach teachers. And it's like, well, they haven't been in the classroom. Yeah. Like they, they might be great academically, but like, Get in the classroom for at least ten years. Exactly. You know? When you do, when I study, when you study teaching, you do like four years at uni or whatever it is. It's, I don't know if it's changed now, but it's only like the last year where you go in and do practical stuff. Yeah. And it is absolutely is so. You could get a, a mentor, like a teacher, a teacher that's supposed to be showing you how to work, who is so disengaged, who's yeah. already checked out, who's like, yeah, you teach. Yeah. I had one of those once, and I did his entire thing which was great but I got no feedback at all and it was just lucky that it went well but if I had been 
like a if I had been younger or more scared, I would have just been eaten alive yep. and I probably would have given up on it. It's just see, like it, no job's perfect and everyone knows that there's something wrong with te- with teaching. There's like such a teacher shortage um, and I'm like, yeah, I just see like the statistics when I was at, teaching was um, the average t- like length of a teaching career was five years yeah. and I don't know if that's changed but I remember when everyone gets to five years, everyone's like, oh, well done, you've beat the, you've beat the average. And I was like, if this is what we're <laughs> celebrating, I don't know if this is right. But my mental health then, again, like, you, you know, this is the, uh, I guess, the luxury of time. When you look back at it, you go, oh, I was probably not very, doing very well. Yeah. And I was very reckless. Like I was doing things like CrossFit and I, like I blame a lot of the CrossFit stage on me being a mum with probably not very good mental health. But a lot, like again, you go to a school, you go to work and yeah. you're like, well, I don't have any control here either. I mean, exercise is a better vice than a lot of other vices that you could have been doing. Yeah. If you're like, oh, well, I'm out of control, yeah. what can I do? So, you know, at least, at least you chose smartly. Yeah, at least I got abs. Yeah. There you go. Um, so you mentioned your mum had some mental health. So did you talk about mental health as a kid with your family? No. No, no we use, and this is kind of my new shows a bit about, is about this, like we say someone's mad. Yeah. And that's kind of funny when you say, oh, she's gone mad or yeah. whatever. Mum went mad. Um, I don't think she'd mind me so saying anything about this because um, she's great now. Yeah. But when she went through menopause, she went pretty mad um, and it's, I think times have changed a little bit, but it's not enough. Yeah. We still look at women who are going through huge life changes. For example, um, like girls going through puberty, we're just like, oh, and that's too weird and scary. And that's well, it's one of the reasons we hate teenagers anyway. Boys going through puberty, same kind of thing. But then when women have babies and they go mad, I went mad after having my kids. Yeah. All the variations of mad. I had postnatal anxiety after my first two and then my last one I had postnatal depression. But no one said anything to me. Yeah. Like no one was like, hey, Bron, you're pretty mad right now. And I would have really, I don't know how I would have responded to it, but I would have really have liked, like upon reflection, someone to be like, are you travelling okay? Because I just wasn't. Yeah. Um, And then so I I know that these huge identity shifts that, and I can only speak, you know, about women because I am a woman, but I've just noticed that every big shift that I've noticed in women's lives, we just kind of go, oh, she's mad. And it's like, well, I think that, Probably is a bit more to that. Yeah. And then we go, oh, just wait for her to get out the end. She'll come good in event, like eventually. Yeah. Uh, I remember someone saying to Beck, oh, you just got the baby blues. They'll pass. Oh, my God. And isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's no, no help. Just uh, it's, you got the baby blues. It's oh like, my God. yeah. Uh, so, all right, let's talk about family then. Then we're all sure. ready to talk about family. So, uh, one of five children. Yeah. And I've got a stepsister as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and all. all Full like yeah. So my um, my uh, stepdad, um, who since passed, he's he had a daughter when he met my mum, and my mum had four kids, yep. and I was a third of hers. Okay, yeah, and then um, then they had a little girl together. So Rosie, my little sister, she's ten years younger than me, so she's my half sister, but yep. she's we yep. grew up yep. with her. She's Great, we know no different. All right, so are you all close? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're all very, di- we're all quite different. But when we come together for like Christmas, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. And I think the difference between uh, um, my family and Lucas's, my partner's, his family, his family is so beautiful. But they are a little bit too polite. Like I sometimes feel like they're a little bit too polite. They're not saying what they think, and they might be. Yeah. But I grow up with a family where there's like it's quite tumultuous. There's lots of drama. Eventually, someone will have a little bit too much wine and tell someone that they're a dickhead. Yeah. And that they're too up themselves now and things like that. And then that person will cry, and then you know they'll storm out of the house and just say that they're never ever going to come back. And then the next day we're fine. Yeah. But this never happens in Lucas's family, and sometimes I'm like. What's going on? What do we actually feel? But that, but that's what they know. They yeah. just know peaceful relationships, and so when I feel when it's a, a relationship's too peaceful, I'm always like, I don't believe this. <laughs> yeah, we see. My family is very much like we run on gossip. Like oh, such and such man. said this. Did they? Okay, well they can tell me if they want to tell me. Oh that. yes, and yes, it's yep. like and it's like so. My mum's family is very close with each other, mm-hmm. but there's always some someone's fighting with someone else but they the other person doesn't know they're fighting yet and then such and such has to and it's yes this and it's like just 
it changes who the person is every like six months, whatever. Yeah. But it just goes around and around and around. And it, but they're so close. Mm. And they'll, when times are tough, they'll do whatever they will for their family. Mm-hmm. But they just have this kind of like, and I'm not sure if it's just that's how they were raised. There was a fair bit of drama in their life yeah. as they were growing up. So they're just used to the drama and just, it's mm-hmm. fine. But no one really says what they really want to say. And it all comes out. Eventually. Eventually. Eventually it all comes out. They just have a, need a scapegoat for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be, that's like my mum's my, my side of the family. I'm not very close to my dad's side of the family. Yeah. I don't know them very well at all. What's your role in the family amongst the siblings? Great question. We have, so you know there's, so I'm wondering what yours is with your brothers. There's a one person who organises everything. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Which one, which brother that's is the, it? The oldest brother. The oldest brother. We don't have one of them. Yeah. So we've got six people and no one is... No one organises anything, so Christmas will be coming along and everyone will be like, I hope someone's cooking something. Yeah. And then we arrive and there's nothing. So I think Lucas has had to take on that role because he cannot cope with my family. He looks at it, my brother-in-law is the same. People who've, like, married in yeah. are like, what's wrong with you guys? And we're like, we're fun. We're the fun guys. Yeah. Okay? So what's my role? I'm probably the um, the grumpiest. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I know. I wouldn't pick that. Yeah. I work with you and I, you're never grumpy at work. No, unless it's after 3.30. Um, but it's... But it's uh, you're I bored. Get, oh, <laughs> you're my never, God. You're never grumpy. <laughs> so bored. But there's... Uh, yeah, so I think I'm... Everyone kind of loved to pin me as like the bitch who will say what she's thinking. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's ever truly fit, but I've run with it. Like it's yeah. fine. Um, and I'm happy to wear that. Like it's... Yeah. yeah, but my older sister is so much fun, and so is my youngest. Everyone's really fun. Like everyone is the last one at the party. Yeah. So like my brother came over the other on Sunday night for for dinner, and as he was coming over, he said, "Oh, I've invited like a few of my friends." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, we're gonna have to make something else." And he's like, "It's no big deal." And he and he turned up, and I think there were eight of us in the end. So he bought like twelve bottles of wine. And then I was tired because it was a Sunday. I didn't expect any of this. And after dinner, I was like, I'm just going to check on my daughter. And then I went and fell asleep on the couch. Yeah. With, with, she was like, she was just there. I was like, I wonder what it feels like. And then I never came back out. And then he messaged me the next day, furious that I went to bed without saying, without staying till the end because he just thinks that parties go forever. My mum's like that. Yeah. My older sister will, like, she's got four kids, but she will be the last one at the party. And with my with my brother, with my older brother, and you know my little sister will try so hard to hold on, but she's adorable and probably has to go to bed a bit earlier. I will sit out before them. Yeah. So what role do I have? Probably. So I think this is why I've kind of been classified as like the grumpy bitch because yeah. I go to bed at two a.m. <laughs> two a.m. So we just had New Year's, <laughs> and me and my brother were up at about. 10, 30, 11, doing a puzzle. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Let's just go to bed. There's no point <laughs> to even see in the new year. We, neither neither of us drink. Sad. We don't drink. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we'll just go ahead. All right, so you, you've got children. Yeah. Okay, was that always in on the, the plan, I want to have kids? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I'd, I've thought about that a little bit. I wondered what my life, I sometimes da- uh, uh, dream about what my life would be like without them. Yeah. Not that I don't want them around, but I see, like I walk. I was walking along Mary, Mary Creek yesterday and it was school holidays so I had two kids walking behind me the the baby was in daycare two kids walking up behind me they were, but they were like 50 meters behind because they were looking at the butterflies yeah. and whatever but I was kind of uh charging along and kept turning around to check that they were there but I was walking along and someone was walking towards me and I had this moment where I was like oh this person would look at me and think she doesn't have kids and she probably lives in a stylish one bedroom apartment that overlooks the creek and she just goes to work. Sometimes she works from home if she wants. Yep. She just listens to whatever she wants, any podcast, any time of the day. Never has to be the wish soundtrack, which is playing constantly <laughs> at my house. And so I like so I just thought at this moment where I was like, God, that life actually sounds amazing. I don't want it, but God, it seems so nice to think about it. All through the lockdowns, I was looking at people going like, oh, we're so bored. We watch all of Netflix. I'm like, I fucking wish I could sit oh down my. on the couch and watch Netflix all day. I know. I know. Okay, yeah. So was it a plan to have three? No. Was it a plan? Uh, Luke and I had Olive six months. We got pregnant six months after 
we met. So it was very fast. Yeah. And then um, Edie came really quickly after that. And then um, I went through my intense CrossFit phase and uh, we just thought, because it was so hard, we were like as if we would have a third. Yeah. And when we saw people having their third, we were like laughing in their faces. You know, the only time we were ever happy was looking at another couple committing to a third baby. We were like, what? They're mental. They're mad. She must be mad, I'd say. But you're from five. How how big is Lucas's family? He's a two. Everyone in his family is two. They just Ah. do two. And it's almost always just a boy and a girl. And that is it. Because both Beck and I are from three. Uh-huh. And have two is, oh, it's going to What's stop wrong? at two? That's what's, what's, what's happened. That's, we're stopping at two. No more. <laughs> They're still anticipating another no one more. on the way. All right. Um, what surprised you the most about parenting? Uh, how uh, much they'd love me. Yep. Um, sounds quite cheesy, but um, you always feel loved by your parents, but you kind of feel entitled to that as a as a kid and yeah. you like, like I see my kids of feeling that uh, feeling entitled to my love and they should and like it's beautiful that they never feel grateful for, you know they, maybe they do but they've never they never like oh thanks for loving me yeah but as so I grew up with a very loving mum who I always yeah I always felt loved and adored by her but it never it was never like a god I'm lucky yeah but with my kids just how I'm the first one that they turn to um, and then when my son comes home from daycare, like I'll have taken him to daycare and then like six hours later, Lucas will go get him and when he opens the door and he sees me, like he has a, a whole body reaction to just seeing me yeah. standing in like, you know, the daggiest clothes, my hair's messy, I've like, you know, I'm like, oh, oh hi, mate, and he just looks at me like I'm Madonna. Like he's like, what? She's here again. And I'm like, I'm here all the time. Can I ask, at night time though, do you mm. resent that? Because no. you Okay, because I was going to say because we had the same with Henry, just was all about Beck. Yeah. And it was that thing at night time, like, well, Beck's going to put him to bed because he's going to yell out until Beck. So I'm yeah. like, all right, well, I can read you a story, but then Beck's going to have to do the hard part of, mm. and it was that thing of, it sounds awful to say, it was like, Oh, well, I'm glad he loves her yeah, yeah, <laughs> way yeah. much because I yeah. can have it. But I have um, – I work at night a lot of the time. Of so it, And he knows – so with the girl – because I started comedy when the girls were, you know, old enough to understand that their life where I was just in teaching. Yeah. started when they were like four and five. And so um, – they knew what it was like for me to be there all the time. Yeah. But he knows, he doesn't know any difference. So at night time when I'm going, he like very rarely cries when I'm leaving. He'll be like, bye, mum. And yeah. then, so he, Lucas has done a lot. Like he's been a really, hand, he's always been pretty hands on dad. But since Ari, my son's arrived, he's had to do a lot of the stuff and he loves it. Thank God. Yeah. But he loves, he loves it. But it's still Ari will always choose if I'm there. It'll yeah. always be me. And if I'm at home when he's going to bed, I have to sit at the base of his bed and uh, just sit there until he goes to sleep and he'll keep checking to see if I'm there. And it's just funny because yeah. I know this is going to, like he's not going to be doing this when yeah. he's 12. They change. They change. Yeah. And it's like I'm, I think I'm at this lovely stage where um, I know he's going to get, I know he's going to get, because I've got his, the comparison of his, his eldest sister who's almost 10 and, if I sat at the base of her bed when she was going to sleep, she'd be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like you can leave if you want. Like what are you doing? So it's so lovely to have him love me this much. So I was yeah. surprised at how how wonderful it feels to be loved that much. All right. Let's move on. We've got career and friends left. What do you want to talk about? Okay, we'll go with um, we'll go with friends. Friends, okay. Do you have a best friend? I did for a while, but now I have like quite a few. Yep. Yeah. For a long time, it was like my mate Claire and I, but we're not. Um, uh, we had a podcast together and became mums at the same time. We went to high school together. We we're very inseparable. Since I guess COVID and me, yeah, we've there's a little bit of distance there. Yeah. Now and that's okay, and that's normal. We still love each other yeah. dearly, but we don't see each other nearly as so much. So you're friends in high do. school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like that was the other thing. Do you have friends? Still just one. Just one. Just okay. the one. How, how did you make friends when you were 
in high school? Oh, I was very extroverted. Yeah. So I just feigned confidence. And um, uh, I think that in as when you look at teenagers who look like they've got confidence, yeah. as an adult you're like, you liar. But as a teenager and you're looking at someone and you go, wow, she's so brave. I love drama yep. so much. I loved it so much. I would just as many classes of drama I could do, I would do that. And I was quite good at drama. So that was... Um, I guess that was a skill that I kind of lent on and it was, was very funny Yep. in school. So I was the funny girl. So, you know, the chubby funny girl that boys didn't like but the girls thought was really cool. Were you cool. popular? Uh, I was probably – I was not one of the cool girls, like the sexy cool girls, but I was um, – yeah, I was. I had, I was. I got two awards at the end of year 10 when I moved to a different school. One was – um, the most loved, which was oh, very nice. That's nice. And the other one was person who wagged the most classes. Oh, so oh, I, I was cool. I, I never wagged. Why? You Could, liked where, that? Where was I going to go? You sit in the girls' toilets. Yeah, see, like can't, yeah, can't go in there. Can't go. Yeah, you're right. You weren't allowed. Every kid who ever wagged always at lunch would hang out the school. Well, I like, just come to school. No, nah. it's like, well, you, yeah, it sucks then. That's embarrassing. You're on yeah. your own. Um, oh, no, I never wagged the whole day. I just no, wagged just subjects so, so, that I didn't so like. Oh, Geography, okay. obviously. All right. Come See, on. I was voted uh, most likely to become Prime Minister. Oh, that's beautiful. There's still time. That wasn't something – I don't think it was a compliment. Why? I think it was that you're a nerd. You're, you're like – I don't oh, know. Oh, you're going to be successful. I you're going to lead our country. My eldest finished primary school and they did awards and he was voted most likely to become a comedian. And I said, over my dead body. No, uh, <laughs> But that's so classic Josh Earl, by the way. If someone says you're most likely to become this or any kind of compliment, you will find the negative bit in it. So I, I didn't used to. Really? But life has worn you down. Worn me down. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, uh, have you had any friend breakups? Mm. No. This is mainly as an adult. Yeah, as an adult, yeah. Not really. Uh, when I quit teaching, it was a bit of a, a tense time um, with, like, some of the people I worked with yeah. for complicated reasons, but not really. Like, I, because I was leaving teaching anyway, I was yeah. like, ah, that's fine. But not, no, I will I will happily go. When did you leave teaching? Um, 2019, so just before COVID hit, I thought I was going to do Long service leave yeah. and then long service leave just meant I was teaching kids at home anyway. Yeah. So it didn't really work and I just never went back, um, thank heavens. But I ha- like I will happily ghost someone. Yeah. Like if I find some someone's like a new relationship in my life, like a new friend and I find them, like if someone listens to this, like it's probably you. Like, <laughs> I, I, like, I'll, like I'm also, I don't have time. Yeah. It's not necessarily like I don't like them. I just do not have time and because you just have to pick and choose I've lost friendships that I've loved yep. because they've taken it personally. I'm like, no, no, I just can't fit you in every month. It's yep. going to have to be, it's a one year. I see you once a year and for about an hour and a half and that's it. Yeah. And if I can't, if that's that's an issue, oh, then I can't be your friend. What do you look for in a friendship? Oh, they have to have a good sense of humour. Yeah. Like we have to laugh together. Were you, as a kid, were you always drawn to the funny? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I think. Everyone in my family is funny. Yes. Uh, and sometimes right. that, that can be cruel, but it's. Yeah, same. They're, they're oh intent- God, our families are so similar. They're very similar. Their yeah. intent is to be funny. Yeah. Like my uncle, my favorite basketball player was David Robinson. And this mm-hmm. is around the time where Magic Johnson had just announced that he had HIV. Mm. He told me, oh, yeah, I've just heard on the news, David Robinson's got it too. And I was like, what? Oh my God. And I was like, devastated. He goes, ah, oh, just joking. I'm like, <laughs> I was 11. Like, <laughs> Funny. Your favourite basketball player's got HIV. Oh, it's just a joke. It's a just funny something I joke. could do. <laughs> it's like, thanks, oh thanks, Uncle God. Johnny. Thanks for letting yeah. me know. No, we have. Um, we were always like I was saying before. There were, a lot of our gatherings will end in someone crying or someone because it, we just we yeah. just make fun of each other and there's no rules. Like it's it, you, it, you know the it, gloves are off. You can go for the jaguar. Yeah. And if so, and it's kind of like te- we're kind of testing each other to see who's going to be the one who cracks it. Uh, and one year, um, my little sister, and it wasn't even like she, I think she was actually trying to be nice, but this is a thing that broke us. She, my younger sister, said to me, she said, "Bron, you're not my favourite sister." And my older sister Amy was sitting there, looked 
so thrilled oh. with this happening. She goes, you're not my favourite sister, but you are the prettiest. And Amy, her smile yeah. just was wiped <laughs> from her face so quickly and so she offended us both so harshly yeah. that, and because it was the end of the night we were like, Great. And then we both, I think we both took ourselves to bed. <laughs> One Christmas my brother, he got these uh, scratchies that yeah. were like fake scratchies. So you scratched them and you won like $25,000. Oh, my God. So he, he gave one to my auntie and she's at the table she's scratching. Oh, oh. No. Oh. And she thought she'd won $25,000. And so they're going, oh. Turn it around. Where, where, when can you collect it? And it was like, uh, collect it from the North Pole. It was, it was something it's like that. So yeah. Brutal. So mean. But <laughs> oh she was like, I, I was actually in my, I'm glad I didn't win because in my head, I'm going, how much do I have to give Jason? Like, how much money of this 25? I'd have to give him at least, oh, at least a no. thousand. <laughs> like, she's already ahead going, fuck, I'm going to give some of this away. <laughs> so then it escalated. So the next year, she made everyone fudge. But in Jason's, she put rocks in them. And he didn't eat it, luckily, because he could have broke his toe. Yeah, <laughs> she then, hates so, him. So Jason, the following year, I only found this out <laughs> yesterday when he told me because I drove him to the airport, we drove past Sexyland. Yeah. And he goes, he went in there once because for a present he thought what he'd do is buy her a massive dildo mm. and then put it under the tree and wrap it and say it's from her husband. <laughs> and in our family everyone opens their presents in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so she was going to unwrap. But he, he didn't know how much they were. So he's like, I'm not spending that much. Yeah. On a, on a joke present for my auntie. So he bought just a chocolate one, just a chocolate dildo. It was like mm-hmm. 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so she, and my mum's like, don't do that. It's going to backfire. Don't do that. And so my auntie Karen unwrapped it. It said uh, to Karen from Johnny. And I go, oh, thank you. Oh, this will come in handy later. <laughs> and it was like that was the end of the. <laughs> He's finished. I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> no more. Um Oh, speaking of airports, how many people in your life would you happily drive to the airport? Oh, yeah, a lot. There would be a lot. I I offer it a lot and it doesn't get – people often don't accept it. However, I picked up Claire Hooper and her husband, Wade Duffin, from the airport the other day yep. and I expected them to say no because they always are always terrified of being in the way or a burden. But they said yes and I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, God, okay, I have to reshuffle some things. Um, but I was glad because it's nice. It's it's yeah. so nice. As I spoke with Adam last week, it's a nice thing to do. It's a, you side by yeah. side, you can talk, it's great. How many people would you ask for a lift from Oh, the airport? not many. Yeah. No, not many. It's just easier to get a $40 Uber because you don't know. Because, like, again, like you don't it know whether really they actually is. mean yeah. it. Yeah. If you are picking someone at the airport, just park. Pay the twelve bucks to be there for half hour and go mm. and collect. oh stand at the gate, not stand at the gate, but just be there when they're out instead of going. Oh, I'm hovering around. Oh, I'm in this dreadful. one. Oh, and everyone's stressed out. I'm like, just park, just spend that twelve dollars. Good advice. Yeah, maybe I should do that because it's the oh, I have to do a lap. The guy yeah. knocking on your window in Melbourne. I'll meet you. I'll, meet, I'll go to the Maccas. Just walk to the Maccas. Oh no, that's ages away. Yeah, it's it's fine. I, I, Is that what you do? do yeah, if Bex with the kids, they'll get Maccas and I'll walk. Yeah, that's it's fine. Shit. <laughs> All right, our last one. How are we going okay. time? Oh, we've got heaps of time. Great. Okay, great. All right, career. Yes. It's booming. It's happening. I'm in it. I've got a career. Yeah. Was well, yeah. this always the dream? Because you're always funny. Were you always thinking, I would like to do comedy? Yeah. Did you, in, did you watch stand-up comedy as a kid? No. Nothing. I never I, – I think I had um, – what's his name? Eddie. Eddie Izzard? No. Eddie Perfect. No, nah, the guy. Eddie wore, Murphy. There he is. There we go. Eddie Murphy. I remember watching that. Sorry, and can I say Eddie Perfect? Well done on getting the second Eddie out of Eddie. <laughs> Eddie is out of Eddie Murphy. Well done. <laughs> we threw with that. Yeah. Uh, no, it was. Um, uh, and I we had the for some reason we had the VHS. Yep. And I watched it. I didn't understand a lot of the jokes, but I thought he was so funny. Obviously, very problematic. Those jokes did not stand the, the ice test cream of time. Bit. I've got to. Uh, oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Or oh, the 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 gay man sitting on top of the roof, like they don't have in San Francisco. They don't have sirens on the their yeah. police cars. <laughs> ooh, ooh, pull over! Pull over! Yes, it's funny. No, you can't say it anymore. I. It's incredible because there wasn't that many comedy specials, and everyone our age watched that. It. Yeah. At a too young an age. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much money you made from that? Oh, 
So much. I mean, he's not getting too much money from the rentals at the Bernie Leisure Centre with with their VCR, VHSs. But yeah. No, but he just, oh, my God. It, and also everyone's still watching all of people. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Anyone, everyone knows it. And I don't know how it found me in Spence in Canberra, but we watched it, and again, far too young, um, but we laughed a lot at all at how silly it was. But I never thought... I never thought that comedy was a career, a possible, a possibility. Yeah. I thought that maybe acting, like sketch acting or, you know, um, some kind of a comedy, a comedic acting would be a possibility, but I was too terrified because I felt like there was so much pressure for from being good at drama through high school. Yeah. Um, I felt like there was if I did audition for something and didn't get it, it would be mortifying. Yep. Like, and so if I just didn't try then I couldn't fail. Yeah. So I just didn't. So I just went and did, I decided after three years off from between high school and uni, I, in that those three years I was like, well, I guess I could just teach drama. So that's kind of like I'm still in it. Yeah. And then I became, uh, I started, I became a drama teacher, but you had to choose a second method. So I had English as my second method. And turns out it's really hard to get a drama job. So you just got an English job. And then I was like, please can I do drama? And then I try and it's actually crap. Te- dr- teaching drama to to like apathetic teenagers yep. is hell on earth. When you love it, yeah. oh, my God. I also have a theatre degree and drama teaching was what my parents was yeah. like, well, that's what Josh will do. He'll do that. And But I that thing, you've got the kids who love it and they love it a bit too mm. much, like me as a high school kid. Yeah. And then you've got the kids who are doing it because it's the blood subject. Yes. And it's there's not much yeah. in the middle there. Or the naughty yeah. kids who can't be trusted with pens. So yeah. they're like, just put them in the soft space with the beanbags. Yeah. And, and the teacher oh, they're the class clown. They'll do great in this. I'm like, no, they're not. They're just yeah. disrupting. They're just calling everyone. Can I go back a bit when you said uh, too, too scared to fail? Yeah. So you just didn't do it. That's yeah. great. Like that. I know so many talented friends of mine mm. who just never was self-sabotaged it. Yeah. Because if they were like, if I, if I just fuck it up on myself, it, it takes the the power away from the people who yeah. were going to say, no, you're not good enough. Mm. And there's, Oh, absolutely. And I, I think in the long run, now looking back, if you're listening, don't be, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. You'll get, oh. an, you'll get another chance. It's so interesting that it's so scary until you do it, it's, until you fail at something and you're like, oh, wow, no one cares. No. Like no one's even watching. No. And it took, so focused on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it took, so I, so I became a teacher for a while, for ages, and then I was miserable and then I became, and then I've uh, I met Claire Hooper at the school gates, and she because our daughters started prep at the same time, and she'd and I'd started the moth, and so between Claire Hooper and Cal Wilson, they both said, "Oh, you think you should start? Comp- you should give it a go." And I remember when Claire Hooper mentioned that to me, it was through a text. She asked me to help her with a joke, and I told her, I gave her a suggestion, but I, and this feeling of like desperately wanting this joke to be funny was more powerful than I'd felt like for ages. And I was like, oh, my God, this has to be good. And I gave her a joke and she wrote back. She's the nicest woman in the world. It could have been the most dog shit joke ever. But she's so nice. She wrote back and said, "Uh, that's perfect. I'll use it. And I had such a physical reaction to it. I like doubled over in my hallway as I was walking down with an armful of clean washing. I was like, oh, my God. And I was on my knees in my hallway and I was like, holy shit, is that what I want to do? Is that the thing that I'm looking for? Because yeah. I hadn't really known. Yeah. And then I tested it by saying to Lucas and um, I said, I think I might try a comedy. And he was like, amazing, you should. You absolutely should, which really surprised me because I thought he'd be nervous for me. Because you know when your friend says yes. something like that, I'm going yep. to go on a, out on a limb and admit that I think I'm funny in yep. front of lots of people and do a uh, do a, like, perform in a way that I've never performed. Like you have to learn the most brutal way, go through bad gig after bad gig after bad gig. And when someone that you love says, hey, I'm about to do this really hard thing, which might mean I will fail. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be really hard to be like, absolutely do it. You'd have like a moment where you go, look, you could try, but if it doesn't work, it's, you know, yeah. but he never did that. If Lucas came to you and said, I think I'm going to do comedy too, would you be supportive? Uh, I would, I don't think, uh, like it's so far-fetched that, that example um, or that hypothetical rather, but I would hope I would be, but I'd, I don't think he could do it. <laughs> I love him so. He's accidentally funny. 
He's accidentally yep. funny. So the so the career kind of started and I had, and it's so funny because we are just watching Frozen 2. I was just watching Frozen 2 before I came here uh, because Ari, my son, has just discovered Frozen and yep. I fully support it. I really like both movies. Sue me. I've, I've never seen it. Oh, my God. My kids were never you. interested. Oh, my God. We were a Cars family. But the, oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, no, we, oh, he hasn't seen that, maybe we'll show it. Anyway, so Frozen 2, loved it so much. And it is, I, lo- I think Frozen 2 is way better than Frozen 1 because, like, not only is the sounds, uh, the soundtrack so so good, um, but, like, the storyline's amazing. And it's about this, you know, Elsa get, like, she's assumed her position as, like, you know, the queen uh, of Arendelle and she's like, okay, cool. So this is, is this it? Everyone's safe now, everyone's fine and everyone is safe and everyone's living their life. And then she goes, okay, well, I just don't feel like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So she's kind of miserable even though everything in her life looks perfect. Yeah. And then she's kind of drawn to something else, to somewhere in the in the forest. She goes to the forest and she discovers that's where she's supposed to be. And even though it's far away from her family and it's a bit inconvenient, she is like, absolutely her authentic self and everyone is happier because she's happy and yeah. and it's this and there's some songs in there that are so good and I remember listening to the soundtrack at the time where I was like, like finishing like starting comedy and I remember driving from school to home and bawling my eyes out from a song from Frozen 2 because it was all about her finding like chasing her dream and finding who who she was and it's kind of like I wasn't intending on talking about Frozen 2 but yes I talk about it every day no <laughs> I just watched it and I remember thinking like this was it was I don't know if there's ever been a song for you or a movie that you've watched that you've gone this relate I can relate to this so I can surprisingly I can relate to this and I did not think it was going to happen um, I sound insane. No, I can't think. Look, I, I get quite emotional at songs, but mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that inspired me to do stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe you should watch Frozen 2. I should watch for. I'll have to watch Frozen first. No. No, just go straight into so it. You know, I'll, I'll you know what up. happens. I'll pick yeah. it up, let it yeah. go and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> talking, talking Snowman. Um, so when you start comedy, okay. Yes. Do, is it just the goal to get on stage or was there, did you have like, you know, vision board or five-year plan, ten-year plan? No. Oh, I did a goals thing at the start which was like, wow, it was, you know, in retro, like I look, I look back at it and it was so huge. Like I was like, do a one-hour show within six months. Do what, because I didn't understand yeah. how hard comedy was to, to like, get a, a handle on. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand how many times you had to, how many bad gigs you had to do before you, you saw any kind of perks. Um. So, no, I didn't – and actually I still don't know where I want to go with this, but I've just kind of, like, you know, just just staying focused on getting better at comedy. Yeah. And when I, f- I finally uh, – before I – I'm represented now, but before I had management, um, I did that thing which most comedians do who, are, who don't have management is just, like, desperately wanted. Like, I was like, oh, my life will change. Like, yeah. this will take a huge ch- turn when, when I finally get management. Um, and people who I'd, you know, done raw with and people who I'd kind of worked alongside with, I could see them getting picked up and I wasn't. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? And just like, you know, it just it's like Claire Hooper said to me, you're just not the right fit for those people and that's yep. okay. They might have someone really similar to you on their books so they don't need two of you. Yeah. So just keep going. And then when I spoke to my management, Beck Sutherland, on the phone, she said to me, um, this was before she'd signed me. She just said, just keep focusing on doing comedy because you can focus on, you can get distracted by, you know, Instagram and chasing like ads on telly and, you know, all of these things that you think are going to be great. But what you actually want to do is comedy. Yeah. So if you just keep working at comedy, then when you do finally get a big break, like, hey, you can be on the gala or, yeah. hey, you're going to be, like, you're actually ready for it rather yeah. than being like, oh, shit, okay, oh, what did I say? Oh, what's my best five? Oh, I don't know. So all I'm doing is like because my goal or I think my goal is, I don't know, but I think right now, and it might change in a month, uh, is I want to perform to giant rooms. Um, I don't really care about telly or radio or any of those things. I just want to do live comedy. Yeah. It's my favourite. Yeah. Which is the same for you, right? Well, mine is just to go, be able to go to a city and yeah. not have to stress about ticket sales. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, if well, I that'd could. That'd be lovely, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
if I could go to every city in Australia and sell 200 tickets, I would be, oh, wouldn't so, be beautiful? so happy. But like, you yeah. have to get on TikTok then. That's how you do it these days. I'm too old for TikTok. It's so dull. Me and Dave thought we were talking about this. He was like, well, he's on the socials a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's popping off on there. Like, yeah. So he's doing, doing, doing it. very well. I he's just, doing really well. I just don't have that. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I've got to I'll do two podcasts a week. I do stand up. I hey, write. I'm a, you got to do what makes you happy. But the posts that you, the videos that you do put up of yourself and your comedy are oh, very good. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. There's more coming. Oh, good on There's you. There's more coming. Okay. I'm, I'm a magic genie. I yeah. grant you any wish you want about your career. What, what do you wish for? I, it would be to be able to perform to giant stadiums. Yeah. Oh, I don't, it doesn't have to be giant. Like 250, 300. Sounds so nice. Yeah. But like there's no struggle. I just, it, they sell out quickly. Like I'm, like we put it on our tickets. Like my, like I started selling tickets months ago. I think it was November where we put it up, which is now what, two and a half months ago. But I was like, why are we putting them up so early? Um, no one buys tickets in advance, do they? And like my ticket sales, I do, like they're fine. Yeah. Okay. Like they were kind of probably better than I thought they were going to be. But those people have already sold out. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's that's not for it's not till May. What are they doing? Who? Are, but this is like this is the demand that they've yeah. created. I would love to have that demand of and also being uh, just continually continuously getting better because um, I saw a. Netflix special the other day and it was Amy Schumer and what she was one of the first female comedians I had seen do anything it was on telly but I was like oh wow that looks great and sure okay we, maybe women are allowed to do it uh, but I saw her latest stand-up special and I was just so underwhelmed by it but the audience were loving it yep. and I was like oh she doesn't have to try anymore also I think sometimes you get to a point where you go, oh, this is not for me, and that's fine. People mm, are out, and it's mm. not. It's very easy when you go, well, that's not my audience anyway. Yeah. People are losing their mind. Yeah, I, I learned that when that uh, Miranda Sings came out to Australia. I don't know if you know Miranda Sings. No. She used to do. I think she's been cancelled, but she had like she did a character, and she had lipstick all over, like all around here. Wait, and was she, she wore red? Overalls, some of that. Yeah, like, did she get cancelled because she like was grooming a young boy, or she sent him undies? I don't Is know. Is that that one? Uh, it's something like that. Yeah. Okay. There's something like that. But anyway. I mean, she, God, you can't do anything anymore. I'd never heard of her. She sold out two two town halls, and wow. I was like, I'm, I think I'm into comedy, but I'd just never heard. Mm. And and there was some comedians who. I won't say, but they were kind of, who the fuck is this? What's this? And I'm like, oh, it's not for us. Like, because it was just yeah, teenage girls lined up. I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is not, you wouldn't want that audience. Like, you're just going to be yeah. happy that, you know, oh, we're all kind of trying to find our own our own audiences. Yes. That's another, yeah. if I can include this in my wish, is to just um, not, is to make, have my own audience. Yeah. Is to have, have my own demographic of people who, because the show that I'm working on at the moment, I'm like trying to, I, I have this voice in my head that I'll do a joke and if it feels too much like I've put the female lens on it or like a, like a feminist sting to it, I'm like, oh, but the men will hate that. And then I'm like, I have to keep, I've got to try and work that out, like get rid of that yep. little voice because it's like, who cares? Yeah. And then they just don't come because the people yep. who genu- genuinely or generally rather like my comedy are women and gay men. Yep. And it's that's not to say that it's all. It, I'm sometimes for the straight men too, but it is. But I'm like that's fine. But you should, you're going to do your show what, what fifty times, sixty times. Yeah, you don't want to be going. Oh, I don't even believe in this bit. You want to be doing stuff yeah. that you like after show fifty-seven. You're like, I'm glad I do this bit. I don't yes. care if they're enjoying it as much. I I enjoy doing this. Yeah, bit. yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. So I'm getting braver with that. Um. But yeah. So my wish would just be to. Easily sell out. <laughs> it's how much? How hard is this, Josh? You sell out. Okay, just sell out huge stadiums, and do with people who adore me. Yeah, and sell out easily, and then and, and every show be so good. And then oh, you just God. have to remind yourself when you've got that. Yeah. This is what I, this is everything I wanted. Yeah. Because I think there's a few people oh, in God, this industry who imagine. have it, and still are like, this is not. I want more. I want more. Yeah, and I want more. I've seen that. I've seen that vibe, which is I think you were telling me one time you were, maybe it was you, correct me if I'm wrong, is you were sitting with two very successful comedians in a green room 
and they were like, oh, God, and they just look so depressed. And you're like, but you guys have made it. Yeah. Like this is, isn't this what you've been chasing? And they're like, oh, yeah, but there's always that like, you know, the curse of comparison where yeah. you go, but that guy yeah. had a had 50,000 people in his audience. It's like, oh, it never ends. No. Are we ever satisfied in this job, Josh? Have you, have you ever watched The Wire? Yeah. You know, Marlo, the, the young up-and-comer who comes up and he gets everything he wants and then goes and the last scene is him kicking the guy off the corner because that's, that's where he wants to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's comedy. I haven't seen it in a long time. That's I comedy. Watched, you can yeah. do it, but you just want to be in the club. Hey, how long we got? Oh, that's an hour. Okay, great. All right, so that's friends, career, health and family all spoken about. Yeah. Okay, which one are you keeping on? Which ones are you turning off? Okay. Um... It's really hard. I, I'm going to keep on. Uh, I keep on. Obviously, family. Cause I really love them. Yeah. I make fun of them a lot, but God, they're so good. Yeah. And I think if I did comedy and without my family, I think I'd be a really damaged soul, because you go into a hard gig and then you go home to. And this is not me speaking about anyone in particular, but how I would do it is if I went and did a bad gig, and then I went home and sat in silence, I would. It would eat me alive. You continue thinking about it until your next gig. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to do a gig in the morning. Yeah. I'd have to go stand in Flinders, uh, Flinders Street Station and do a type five. I just, I, I don't think, I, I couldn't do comedy without my family. However, I will say this about comedy. It is so consuming. Yep. It is so consuming. Like we were saying, like it, it's never enough. Like you can, re, you can, you can do a great gig and you will then get off stage and you'll go, that was great. However, I did see that one guy and just looked really pissed off the whole time. Was teaching like that for you though? Was it so consuming at the start? When you at the like, start, yeah. yeah. At the start. At the start, yeah. So does this mean that it will become less consuming for me, Josh? Someone who's been 20 years into yes. it. Yes, I think it does oh, become great. less consuming. Yeah. Oh, great. But I, have you noticed, like, I can see why people in comedy don't have fam- don't have kids. Oh, yeah. It's a very unchild, like it's not a child-friendly career and it's also like you have to become selfish like I have so one that I would turn off which makes me sad but if I'm completely honest it's friends friends are gone I'm so sorry I love them so much but I can't see you I cannot I'm just doing it badly I'll be I'm like eternally disappointed disappointing to my kids and that to my friends and that is because of my career it's not because my kids yeah like you lose some friends when you have kids because some people don't like kids or, you know, you just always stink of milk or something weird. But um, it's my comedy career who that's really. Or those who don't have kids don't understand that you've got to yeah. centre stuff around nap times. Yeah. So I'm sorry we're out for two hours in the day. We just yeah. we just can't do anything then. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's my comedy career who's that's destroyed a lot of my friendships. So the, like I've had. So Claire Hoop is one of my closest mates in the world and partly it's because like we, we can go weeks without seeing each other. Um, but it's just so easy when we, yeah. you know, it's I not, get it. yeah, she just, yeah. So, uh, I would keep career on obviously and family on and my, this is one where I get a bit funny about, I know that if I'm not healthy, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to, my career can take a real nosedive yep. and if I'm not healthy, I'm could be a bit of a shit mum. but I don't, like if someone had said, you've got a little bit of a sore back, just don't go to the gym for a bit. Um, I would not go to the gym ever again. And I just, <laughs> but I, uh, but I, I think, um, would I consider myself healthy right now? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know. I don't think I have a particularly good relationship with food and makes me very nervous because if I don't have a good relationship with food, then I'm just showing my daughters. I wear that with my kids. Oh my God. I, it's I, terrifying. I do this counting calories and it's like, I mean, my kids are very fussy eaters and they yeah. also eat crap. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always going, you can't just drink like Cokes and stuff like that. Like, and so, uh, and I do worry sometimes that I'm like putting my, my, whatever I'm talking about, my psychosis Phobia. or yeah, whatever yeah. it is onto them by going with my own food stuff. Mm. It's, yeah. it's so hard. I'm trying to get, like Sarah Harris from the project last night I said this really great thing where she was like, she remembers being 11 and stealing her mum's uh, diet pills, herbal diet pills. And so from 11, worrying about that. And I think it's just getting younger and younger and younger. Yeah. And you just watch your mum. So if Sarah at 11 knew her mum was taking diet pills, 
then it means that your kids, Josh, will see that you restrict, you know, carbs and don't eat chips and whatever. I've yep. seen you not eat chips. I've seen I've seen you turn down chips. That's yep. crazy. But I will have a very different relationship where I think I'll be like, I just I love chips, and then I'll eat heaps of chips, and then I'll just feel sick. And then, so I don't I don't have a, I don't know how many people who have a, like a hundred percent healthy relationship with food, but I would love to have that. And I think it should be one of my focuses, but if I, if I could, if I that one's pretty low on. So it's on, but it's low. But these two are burning bright. They are burning so That's bright. Family and career. Hey, thank you for doing this. My pleasure. You, you have your show all around Australia called Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, so it starts in Perth. It starts in Perth, thirty first of January, and then I go to Adelaide Fringe, and then I do all of Melbourne. Comedy Festival, then Sydney Comedy Festival, and then Brisbane Comedy Festival, and then just a single show in Canberra. Excellent. That's where I'm from. Your hometown. And also you have a podcast with Brett Blake. Oh, it started, yeah. Brett Blake and I started a podcast called Work Hates. Work Hates. Work Hates. And it's all about just nightmare work stories. Everyone's got a nightmare work story. Yeah. Great. I you do. I sure do. <laughs> Uh, working at Nubco, I'll tell it on the pod. Um, <laughs> hey, if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing my show, uh, Four Burners, the live show at uh, Tasman Terrace starting April 8. Tickets are on sale. So it's so far away. It's 85 days away, but tickets are on sale. They are, And they're selling. Like I said, but, yeah. people are selling them out already. Yeah. So if you want to come to Josh's show, you're only doing it for two weeks, aren't you? Yeah, four, four, 14 shows, no breaks. Eight Great. to the twenty first, and so uh, and yours will definitely sell out because you've got so many people who listen, and everyone loves Josh Earl. Thank you, please, do do? please, listeners, buy some tickets. <laughs> um, so thank you for that, and also um, big thanks to everyone on the Patreon. We've kicked into so fresh. <laughs> We're doing uh, pod machines now turned into pod fresh, and we did episode one. So fresh uh, hits of spring two thousand. It was very good uh, with. Honor Wolf from uh, the Hot Department. Also, oh, I forgot to say, I'm going down to Launceston April 5 to do uh, four burners down there uh, for Fresh Comedy, so tickets are on my website, so make sure you get some tickets there. If you're in Launceston and you listen to this, thank you, Bron. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you.